Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, tennis is back and so is the tennis podcast, not only for the second time in two days, but actually for the second time uh, in one day, because full disclosure, this is our second time recording this particular podcast because of a technological malfunction um, for whose blame there is no need to... um, There's no need to be specific about where blame lies, I, I don't think. No, I'd agree. I mean, it wasn't Catherine's recorder that just broke down and completely wiped out an hour's worth of podcast at all. Um, and uh, and yeah, so here we are. And let's let's do it all again. Nobody will know any different. David has gone from crestfallen to pumped in record time. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really different David Law to the one uh, that we were experiencing about two and a half hours ago. Mm. Mm. Ashen faced. Mm. <laughs> it's like your turnaround on Jennifer Brady from uh, <laughs> middling American not having a good run in a pandemic to world beater going to win everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're saying I flip flop, uh, which is true. But I, um, I, I like to look at it as it is. I, I'm I'm able to make a comeback. That's that's what it I've, is. I've never been more grateful for pumped David Law than right now. <laughs> Not, not because I'm to blame for the How malfunction. You You're right. Not for that reason. Well, David's drawing on experience. David has been in this situation before and re-recorded a podcast that he's recorded. This is my first time doing that. I is think. it? Is it? Mm, I think so. Don't think we've had any big well, technical errors in the last couple of years. David and I once had to re-record a podcast twice. Mm. And I, I'm trying to remember, David, whether we confessed to that at the time. Yeah, I think so. Um, but th- that time it was my recorder that went uh, AWOL. And, and actually, we, yeah, we did it twice and we we didn't have any chance to do what I've just done, which is go and have a two and a half hour walk on my own and just recover. 
um, on that occasion, we, we had a very small window of time and we built in whew, three and a half hours to have a chat and then a podcast and then another chat. And instead, we did three <laughs> back-to-back podcasts <laughs> with absolutely no gaps between them whatsoever. All covering and the, the same the material, look- recycled gags, everything. Yeah. It was a, a well-oiled machine um, by the end. When the second one went, went kaput, uh, I said, I think I know what it is. I'll put it right and let's just press record. And Catherine just got up and went and ordered another cup of tea. And she said, just give me a minute. <laughs> and I came back and I was pumped f- f- for yeah. me. See? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's right. a real test, isn't it, of how much we like podcasting, how much, much we like each other. <laughs> now, I know what you're all thinking. You're thinking, well, if you've already recorded this podcast, you'll definitely know which players are in which draws. You'll be right on top of everything that's going on. You'll have the Australian Open draw memorised. Well, I'm here to disappoint you, but I will give it my very, very best shot. We're going to start off just as we did earlier by talking about the tennis that is happening has happened overnight UK time some this morning Matt was up at what time following the tennis 5am he didn't even Mm. set an alarm folks his internal body clock knew that a grand slam draw was happening yeah Mm. which was incredible really because I had consciously decided to ignore the Australian Open draw because we'd heard from Craig Tiley a couple of days ago that it was going to take place at 2am 3am UK time and I just thought it's fine I don't have to follow it I can leave it wake up in the morning and see it it'll be fine but I woke up at 5am just happened to and the draw was starting so I thought I might as well watch it and then it was geo-blocked for the first 10 minutes so I kind of missed the women's draw. Your subconscious Matt is even more of a tennis nerd (laughs) than your conscious. (laughs) Yeah it is it's putting me to shame. Which is Really quite something. I want to meet your subconscious. <laughs> What's my subconscious up to? Is he, he's pumped. Well, you're up as well, one. David. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have got one. He's just not ever getting any sleep, your subconscious. Um, mm. Yeah, so tennis is back. It's back because mercifully and I suppose luckily, um, because it does feel like a massive bullet dodged, banana skin swerved. None of the 600 players and staff um, and tournament support workers that were housed in the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Melbourne during their 14-day quarantine period have tested positive um, subsequent to that mandatory testing and isolation period until returning a negative test, which meant that the six warm-up tournaments taking place at Melbourne Park this week were able to resume after that 24-hour hiatus. Now, we came to you yesterday saying, look, that's best-case scenario, but there are a whole heck of a lot of worst-case scenarios as well, which Tennis Australia were probably furiously planning for overnight. But thank goodness none of those have come to fruition as it stands at the moment, and I'm touching wood as I say this, there have been no further positive tests um, in the community in Melbourne, which is extraordinary and long may that remain the case. We have just had the news, um, which totally validates our our doing this podcast again because we didn't have this news earlier and it's very exciting, uh, that what mask wearing will be mandatory at the Australian Open for fans when 
matches are played indoors. So when the roofs are closed on either the Rod Laver Arena, the Yvonne Goolagong Arena or the John Kane Arena, nailed it, um, mask wearing will be mandatory inside those arenas. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's all worth it, wasn't it? This uh, two and a half mm. hour wait to do it all over again. Um, yeah, uh, I. Do you know what you were saying? I agree with you that it's lucky that this has not led, so far at least, to any spreading of the infection. And and Craig Tiley did make the point in that same article that we were reading about the roof um, and the mask wearing that it, it might not be okay tomorrow. There there may still be something that happens from this. We we know that's that's a possibility. I do feel that they deserve a bit of luck. I really mm. do. Uh, they're pulling all the stops out. They're trying their very best to stage this thing. They're trying to stage it responsibly in conjunction with the Victorian authorities. And really, you know, it's a, such a difficult balance to find and they're walking this tightrope. And I, I feel that they they deserve a bit of luck. Maybe that's just because I want it to be okay and because I love the sport and want it to happen and all the rest of it. But good luck to them. I think planet earth deserves a bit of luck doesn't it <laughs> yeah yes um but we at least have had a small slice of luck and it is allowed tennis to resume and that means that where should we start i'll pick one at random we'll start in gippsland which is not actually in gippsland it's in melbourne but it is the Gippsland mm. Trophy. And the semi-final lineup is thus. It will be Ekaterina Alexandrova, who beat Simona Hallett for the loss of just three games early this morning, UK time. Uh, she'll be taking on Kaya Kanepi. Kanepi got a walkover uh, in her quarterfinal match. Karolina Mukova uh, pulled out ahead of that one. And the second semi-final will be Naomi Osaka. She got the better of Arena Camellia Begu and Elise Mertens, who beat Alina Svitolina just uh, in a match that we were watching live during our first version of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's fun, isn't it? Uh, we could recreate right. that if you want. We could. <laughs> we don't have to do soon-to-be-out-of-date tennis news. We <laughs> no. can give actual tennis news. Yes, um, should we do? Yeah, oh, it, oh, it looks like Elise Mertens is going to choke. Oh, no, no, she's won. That was the vibe, the, uh, anyway. The Alexandrova results is the most notable because Simona Halep, I'd say Rafael Nadal aside, is the one that is a little bit jarring and alarming in terms of injury worries ahead of the Australian Open happening. Because as you say, three games, I joined it when she was 6-2-3 love down. She was feeling that lower back. She wasn't right, Simona Halep. Hope that's just temporary because, you know, it's it's been so good to have her looking happy to be back she she sort of typifies and personifies the the feeling of tennis being back to me the way she's come out onto the court with this massive smile and love to be there um here she's been looking miserable today against alexandrova who played plumbing well but still Mm. I saw that scoreline and went back and and caught that five minute highlights package on the WCA YouTube channel, um, which they seem to be doing for every match or certainly every notable match. And it really is helpful. She took a two love lead in the opening set in that match, Halep, and was really pumped. She was fist pumping all the time. Darren Cahill was there looking right into it. Totally normal service. And then Alexandra started pumping some winners as she does swiping away and Halep 
cops was just stood stock still a lot of the time watching them glide past her. There was a lot less hustle and a lot less scramble than we're used to seeing from Simone Halep. She was still hitting some great shots and some winners here and there, but it was it was more about what she wasn't doing than what she was doing that was alarming. Um, and yeah, without the hustle and the scramble, who is who is Simona Halep? So I desperately hope that she can get herself right for, for next week. But that is that is a major source of concern. Osaka I thought looked looked very good against against Begu, still not full full flow, but sort of improving with every every match, would you say, Matt? Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. I think she said her second set was the best one she'd played so far in in Australia. Uh, she'd never played Begu before, so it took a little bit of time to adjust to that matchup, I think. But she's looking excellent. She's now on a 14-match winning streak, Naomi Osaka. The last time she lost a tennis match, we're recording this on the 5th of February, 2021. The last time she lost a tennis match was the 7th of February, 2020, when she lost to Sara Cerebes Tormo in Feg Cup. So she could go a full calendar year. Yeah, I mean, obviously there was it was a curtailed season, and there was a big chunk of that where tennis was missing, uh, and it's actually only a fourteen match win streak, but it, it does pretty much amass to three hundred and sixty five days. That's a bit of a sort of Andreescu like yes. stat, isn't it? Remember <laughs> when she won the US Open, and there was that stat that she hadn't lost a completed match for for nine months or, mm. or something something like that. A sort of slightly asterisky but very eye-catching, dazzling stat. Exactly. Yes, and we now we now use asterisks. We do, don't we? We're so, into them. Yeah. She she's definitely been to the pandemic or no pandemic. She's definitely gone to the Serena Williams School of Scheduling, Naomi Osaka, because she's already announced and confirmed that her next tournament after the Australian Open will be Miami. She's got no intention of playing. Uh, any of the other events scheduled between now and then, um, but she looks in she looks in fine and increasingly fine fettle in not Gippsland. <laughs> um, and I thought it was a good win for Mertens as well. I mean, yes, she was getting really tight down the stretch there, trying to close that match out. She had three match points in the second set, ended up losing that set, but. For Mertens, that's exactly the sort of win she needs over over Svitolina, a top 10 player. She has admitted that herself. She needs to beat more of those players. And she's got another chance now against Osaka. I suspect Osaka will be will be too strong for her, but it, it, it's nice to see Mertens playing well. Mm. You'll notice, by the way, I'm saying Gips, Gippsland rather than Gippsland, as I was previously saying. That's because after thinking that I'd nailed the whole Gippsland <laughs> thing... Still, I, I received a message from somebody saying, I really hate to inform you, but it is actually Gippsland <laughs> and not Gippsland. Soon I'll get a message saying, you really need to be saying it in an Australian accent. Um, <laughs> I really am trying to win back the affections of all Gippslanders. Can you say it in an Australian accent? Gippsland. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it again. Okay, <laughs> on to the Yarra Valley Classic. Yeah. You can tell I've done this twice today, can't you? That's not <laughs> how it sounded earlier on. 
We had five takes of that one earlier, I'm telling you. <laughs> where, so, you know, we're already saving time here, which I'm wasting talking right now. We're trucking um, along really well, aren't we? Where Ash Barty <laughs> is already a finalist because uh, not only did she beat Shelby Rogers in her quarterfinal on Friday, but... <laughs> Why are you both laughing at me? Come on, this is the smoothest this has ever been. Stop. Sorry, David just really made me laugh then when he said he was wasting time talking. Matt's on board with my dad jokes, Catherine. (laughs) I was just moving moving smoothly on. Uh, On to Yarra Valley, where, as I was saying, Ash Barty um, not only beat Shelby Rogers to make it through to the semi-finals, but has also received a walkover through to the final because Serena Williams, after beating Danielle Collins in a deciding third set tie-break earlier on today, then withdrew ahead of the scheduled semi-final with Ash Barty, uh, citing a shoulder problem. David, how long did you get to be pumped about the prospect of Serena against Barty before you became crestfallen again. Oh, yeah, I had a bit, a little bit of time, 20 minutes, something like that, because uh, Tamani Cariel from The Guardian tweeted, and that was actually the first time I realised that Serena Williams had played and won. I don't, you know, <laughs> things were happening so quickly. And also, the other thing is, I like Matt, I woke up around the five o'clock mark. You wake up and you've already had, there's been six, seven hours of tennis by then. So much has happened that you, especially if there's six tournaments in a week. And I, I really, I really couldn't figure out where we were. Um, but he tweeted that and, and yeah, the mouth waters. He said, imagine that first, first big tournament of the year and we've got this to look forward to. And within half an hour, um, WTA Insider Account had put out that um, Williams was out with the shoulder injury. Now, obviously, it was a long, pretty long, hard, gruelling match with Collins, um, relatively speaking, and, and it probably would have been against Barty as well. So hopefully Serena's not too badly hurt. I do feel that that it's there's, there's quite a decent chance that it might be sore and that she's maybe just playing the percentages here at this stage in her career. I mean, she turns 40 this year, Serena Williams, and you know, it, the only thing she's really out here for is to try to win a Grand Slam title with all due respect to the Yarra Valley Classic uh and everything else. You know, tennis Aside from the slams for her, when all said and done, much as she enjoys it, it's irrelevant. She has to win another slam. She has to, in her mind, uh, and hopefully too for her peace of mind and you know her, her position without asterisks of any type in the sport. Um, and so, if pulling out of this match against Barty just improves her physical condition, maybe saves her from a beating. It, perhaps if Barty was too good for her on the day and and just keeps that little bit of aura around her because she's looked good so far this week, you know, maybe all of that factors in. Yeah, bottom line, Serena Williams isn't going to make any decisions which jeopardise her chances of winning a Grand Slam. Mm. Nothing else is, is a factor for her and I... I respect that um, as much as I'm gutted not to be seeing Serena Williams against Ash Barty. We will be seeing, though, uh, Marketa Vondrosheva, who is a thing again, out of nowhere, uh, taking That's on... That's her Gob- style. That is her style, isn't it? Yeah. We need to forget all about her and then she'll creep up on us and surprise us. I mean, that is precisely 
what has happened. Um, she'll be taking on Garbine Muguruza, who has been impressive, really impressive all week, in fact, Matt. Yeah, a sort of path of destruction behind Muguruza this week. Her her six set scores, 6-2, six, 6-love, six, 6-1, 6-2, And those are against some really quality opponents in Alison Van Oytbank, Anastasia Pavlikchenkova, and today Sophia Kenin in a in a rematch of that Australian Open final last year. Another pulsating clash so early in the season. And I mean, Muguruza was awesome throughout. Really, really good. She looks so fit, so strong, so happy, so ready for the start of this season. Kenin had a little fight back in the second set after I think Muguruza had won seven games in a row in, in sort of the middle of the match. Kenin had a fight back, made it tough, got the break back. And Muguruza just stepped up another level. She was, you know, that perfect combination when she's on. She's sort of smooth and effortless looking the way she hits her ground strokes, but really powerful and sort of following them with lots of forward momentum and hitting loads of drive volleys. And it was, ju- it was just a real... Real joy to watch her play like that. Um, it, it'll be tricky against Vondrosheva. Different different style of opponent. Lots more variety. Um, if there is a little weakness in, in Muguruza's game, it probably is a, a little lack of variety sometimes. And maybe Vondrosheva and certainly Ash Barty in the final will probably be looking to exploit that. But yeah, Muguruza is, is looking excellent for sure. And seeing her at the moment really emphasises for me how much of a shadow of herself she was for really, really quite a long time. She she looked so listless and unhappy and lacking in purpose and drive on a tennis court for, for a long time. She looked kind of vacant. Um, and it's just so good to see her looking herself again and her best mm. self again because I, th- I feel you can forget what she was like before she really well when she was coming on the scene and when she reached her first Wimbledon final for instance I remember going to her press conference before the final they do the pre-final presser the day before and I'd never gone in one before with her and full full house which she was amused by and she was just really great company for for 15 minutes you know it was just uplifting to see this person who's just up for it and really into it and really interested in the questions and taking them all on their merit because that changed and she stopped being engaged with the media she stopped looking as you say happy on the court I think she'd had a a couple of bad experiences here and there with maybe with the media Um, but I also something wasn't right I don't know what I don't know the ins and outs of her life it's none of my business but she didn't look happy and this is a woman that I thought would be the one to pick up the mantle from Serena Williams when she won that French Open and and then won Wimbledon and she was she got to world number one and she got everything on paper she's got everything and yet for three to four years she's just looked nothing like the same player and nothing like the same person and if she's going to be more like she was then great because uh, she's such a, a fantastic um, person to have on the on the tour. And with all due respect for Vondrosheva, I am I am very much up for a Muguruza Barty final. 
of that mm. Yarra Valley Classic, I think that would that would really set the season on fire. I mean, it m- might not be the best news for those two players, you know, <laughs> right on the eve of a slam. It's it's a it's a jam packed schedule already, uh, but for us, it's great. Uh, so thanks very much for that. I mean, Von Drosheva against Barty, that would be uh, that'd be great as well. But um, yeah, I will try not to insult Von Drosheva any more than I already have. <laughs> uh, the Grampians Trophy. You've just what, put Grampians yes. in the notes, Matt, and it caught me out earlier, and it's caught me <laughs> out again. I'm happier with the hard quarantine cup. Hard quarantine cup, mm. but or HQC, as I called it earlier, I think it might be the the Grampians Trophy. I think you're right. I think it is the Grampians yeah. Trophy. Yeah. Mm. I should have said it with more confidence first time around and, <laughs> and you would have just accepted it and moved on. Um, the Grampians Trophy is only at the quarterfinal stage. Um, now, we we believe that they will play on Sunday. There aren't two matches scheduled tomorrow yeah, that's right. in the Grampians Trophy. Um, so it does put these players at a, a slight disadvantage, I suppose you could argue. Uh, the quarterfinal lineup is Victoria Azarenka, who in her round of 16 match uh, got the better of Yulia Putin-Seva in a match tie-break. Putin-Seva had held match points and did not accept her defeat gracefully. It was just a beautiful display of lack of dignity and defeat. Yeah, it was, it was just like Catherine after the first recording <laughs> yep. of this. Yeah, absolutely yeah. everything we're looking for in Putin's saver was, it was on fantastic. right there. Uh, so Azarenka will play Contivate. Um quite similar styles for those two. Uh, Jennifer Brady alert, David. She's through to yeah, a quarterfinal. Uh, she'll play. Excellent. She'll play uh, Barbora Krejcikova. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Maria Sakkari taking on Angelique Kerber. That's tasty. She's under the radar, isn't she? Kerber. Mm. She beats. Uh, she beat Ons Jabeur. Mm. That's a very good win, I think. She loves mm. to be under the radar. It's her preferred place. Oh, but it's it's an odd year. But that kind of mm. went out the window last year, didn't it? The the Everything even odd system. Everything went out system. the window last year, yeah, Matt. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the final quarter final is Saronica Steyer versus Anne Lee. Um, and I will yeah. spare you all the gag I did earlier because <laughs> um, it was no good. So this is an opportunity to uh to to right past wrongs uh moving on to the men's we'll start with the great ocean road open nailed it again of course we will yeah um where the semi-final lineup is thus tiago montero against stefan travaglia i don't know too much about those <laughs> two to be quite honest uh, i'm looking forward to learning um well tiago montero uh, beat Carlos Alcaraz, of course, after we spent about 20 minutes yesterday bigging up Alcaraz. Mm. Um, so that means all three of my pre-tournament picks that I was considering, and I went for Conta, who lost in the first round, all of them have gone out before the semi-finals, mm. which is a bit of a blow. Mm. Yeah, you didn't see Trevalia coming, David. That was your no. That was your problem. Oh, why did I bring... I shouldn't have brought this up, folks, because these two have both got people in... The latter stages. Yes. You've got Muguruza, Matt, and Barty, Catherine. Yes. 
Yes, you've got Daryl for company, David. Our our newsletter predictions opponent for the year, and was he rubbish as well? I mean, no offense, Daryl. Daryl went for a terrible prediction. I I, really? I I really didn't think it was good welcome, at the time, but I let him have it. Welcome to the party, Daryl. <laughs> he fits in, doesn't he? What did Who's he go he for? for? He went for France in the ATP Cup. Oh yeah, that was ludicrous. That is that is mad, isn't it? I mean, who did they lose to? Everyone. I mean, everyone. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was in the ATP Cup semis then. Didn't or am Benoit I jumping Pair ahead? tank or something? Benoit Pair did something silly. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I switched on the ATP Cup this morning and Gael Monfils was giving Benoit Pair a medical timeout. <laughs> he, w- he was strapping up his arm and then about two <laughs> games later, Pair retired. <laughs> <laughs> and Monfils has decided against the career change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, okay, well, welcome to the club, Daryl. Sorry, Daryl. You're very welcome. The other semi-final in the Great Ocean Road Open. I keep wanting to call it the Great Open Road. Um, it's Sinner, Yannick Sinner against Karen Hatchinov. Yes, please. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Mm. Who do you think will win? I think Sinner. I think Sinner will win. I watched them play at the US Open, which was a match where Sinner was cramping terribly, and yet Hatchinov kept hitting the ball straight to him. It was one of the most bizarre sets yes. of tennis I've ever seen. And I just think if, if Sinner got that close to Hatchinov when he, was, when he couldn't move, I think when he can move, he will, he will probably be a handful for him. You can tell from Matt's reaction that he didn't hit the ball straight back to me when I was cramping horribly <laughs> on our artificial... You weren't no, cramping. No, it wasn't artificial. Well, a bit. It, you anyway, weren't actually cramping, on. were you? I'd got a back problem, hadn't I? I was got, like, you, you had a back problem after the match because of the heaviness of the defeat. <laughs> you, you, went a, into, you, you went into the match in full fitness. I Relatively thought speaking. I thought the storyline we'd agreed on was was that <laughs> Matt ruined you. <laughs> yeah. Although this this back injury has come up. David has mentioned that he was struggling with a back injury right yeah. during the match. Yeah. So, you know, rematch is required and it has to be on artificial grass in order to save my back. So that's... David, I've told you this before. The title holder sets the conditions for the rematch. Mm, like the um, <laughs> America's what, Cup. Like a challenge round or something. They get to... D- I, I learned... I learned. My, my dad is, in the absence of anything else to do, following very closely the America's Cup and the Prada Cup, which is the qualifying event for the America's Cup. And they... Uh, the holders decide pretty much everything in the America's Cup. They get to sort of set the parameters for the boats... So you, Matt, you could sort of tell David what racket he has to play with and that sort of thing. Excellent. Tell him what, kit he, what kit he has to wear. <laughs> that would be the equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> fun, <sighs> fun to be had there anyway. Um, right, who are we talking about? We'll be talking more about Yannick Sinner in, in a short while because he features in... Uh, the uh, top picks for first round matches in the Australian Open draw. I'll leave you with that little tease for later. But first of all, to deal with the Murray River Open, where Dan Evans won twice on Friday. 
uh, he'll play Jeremy Shardy in the semi-final. Shardy only having won once on Friday because his scheduled quarterfinal opponent, Stan Barinka, uh, withdrew ahead of their quarterfinal. So Shardy through to the semis will place, face Dan Evans, who beat... Borna Chorich uh, in straight sets earlier. It looked very impressive, didn't, did Dan Evans. David, would you like to deliver your savage monologue about Borna <laughs> Chorich for the second time today, please? Because it's it's unmissable. Well, uh, only, only, it's just that, I mean, it was a funny contrast because Dan Evans, you know what he's like, all fidgets and give me the ball and, oh, you know, I've hit that one, right, let's do the next point. And then you've got Borna Chorich who... He's going to get the ball and he's going to, you know, just dust himself down and do everything in its own rightful place and bounce the ball and put another one in his pocket and eventually he will serve and then the point will take place and then he will do it all over (laughs) again. And if you find yourself struggling to sleep at night, just just pop on a Borna Chorich match. You don't need any sound. You can just watch the images and it'll gently... It's not the tennis points. The points are fine. The points are fine. It's it's the preparation for the serve. It just lulls you off to sleep. <laughs> it's got more savage. <laughs> it did get more savage. It is... You say it's, it's not the points that are the problem, but it is kind of consistent with his whole approach to, to tennis isn't it he's a very very deliberate player he mm. his strokes are really nice his stroke production is really nice he he seems like a lovely chap I sort of I wish him well it's all very sort of smooth but he very rarely does anything unexpected or surprising it, it the, there is a deliberacy about him after the uh, service service shenanigans I'm s- I'm so angry and frustrated. I've almost forgotten what's going on in the point. I'm, I'm like, just, just get on with it. But do, do you, you feel that way when you watch Nadal? That was my exact question. No, because there's stuff happening. He's fidgeting. He's doing stuff. What about Joe Conta? I don't know. I just, I guess that's I'm just a used to it. And very deliberate service motion. I, I honestly, when I'm watching Chorich, and I know this isn't the case, I almost think he's taking the piss. That he's all that he's saying. I know this is winding you up. I know it is. And I don't I'm think he's that kind of guy. I think he's straight. It. I think he's straight as an arrow. So do I. So do I. But but it's just watching it. <laughs> he beat, uh, incidentally, his first match of the day. He beat Nick Kyrgios. We didn't cover this in version one. Do we have anything to say? No. Hence why we didn't cover it in version one. We we've seen we've seen a still, a still photo. Which yes, potentially summarises the match. is not had hurt his. He was complaining about his leg. Uh, he's not happy, is he? I mean, he went in his press conference and he said, "I'm, I'm." I, I got the gist. He thought he was sort of really touch and go as to whether he'll be competitive, even even able to play. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't seem in the greatest places. He needs to switch on some adrenaline from somewhere. Mm. Um, he needs a crowd. He needs a crowd. Let's yeah. not forget the guy has not played for a year um, and he hasn't done all this sort of playing tennis with nobody around. I'm not sure that's going to work. So let's see. And he needs a crowd both for his tennis and also I think for his, 
I don't want to say sense of self-worth because I'm, I'm not sure it's quite that far, but it almost is. Like he, he really prides himself on the fact that his matches are full. doesn't matter mm. who he's playing. There's people watching him. I remember there was a match he played at the US Open a couple of years ago. He was on the grandstand court. I think I think you talked about it on the podcast. The, the the place was packed and it was Kyrgios against an unseeded player. And he he loves that. He lives off that mm. when he's mm. playing. Yeah, I think as much as he likes to give the impression that he doesn't, I think he needs external validation. Um, and He needs a point, though. The point is the crowd. The point is the moment. The yeah. point isn't whether he wins or goes far mm. in the tournament. He's made that perfectly clear, really. He wants the experience. He wants the rush of it all. Um, so let's hope for the sake of any entertainment from him that that's what he gets. Mm. What did we make of match point in Dan Evans against Borna Choric? One of the strangest things I've ever seen and totally, totally unlike Borna Choric, as you've, as you've just described. He's, he's methodical and not surprising. Um, I, I must just insert that I would like to jump to Borna Choric's defence. I, I very much enjoy watching him play tennis, but, you know, um match point was was totally bizarre he had a very easy smash on top of the net 6-1 down in the second set tie break it looked like he'd given up but even so it was a strange way to to give up uh, he just he just smashed the ball i mean i think deliberately I, I, i'm sure he could have controlled that it didn't look like it came off the frame it looked like it came straight out the off the strings just smashed the ball out of the court and it hit the back fence on the full i should say dangerously <laughs> close to the ball kid which was Why am which, I, laughing? Which, I shouldn't be but it was, well, dan evans was yeah dan evans was really sniggering, sniggering. at him yeah yeah i'm going to recycle yeah. a line i used in version one because it was decent i said he channeled bonachorich child an entire career's worth of spontaneity into just that one moment mm. and there's none left now david so you will Keep snoozing through his matches. Hmm. <laughs> so it is Dan Evans against Jeremy Shardy in the first semi final. Uh, the second one, bottom half of the draw, features Felix Auger Eliasim against Corentin Moutet, which brings up the prospect of an Evans Moutet rematch. Of course, they played at the US Open and it was highly entertaining. So we'll take that. And of course, Mute, Mute also played uh, Auger Eliassime. Yeah, and got hammered mm. in that match. So, uh, yeah, and that's what, that's what made us all start predicting Auger Eliassime would win 28 Grand Slams. Yes, yes, including the one that he was in at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so uh, that leaves us just in terms of current tennis. We've covered off five tournaments, uh, which leaves us just with the ATP Cup, uh, where the semi-final lineup is Germany against Russia and Spain. Uh, Rafael Nadal less Spain. He's only on the sidelines, and that looks to be the case for the semi-finals as well. Spain against Italy. Uh, How many out of ten are you concerned about Nadal right now? Pretty concerned. Pretty concerned. Um, eight? Yeah, eight. He, mm. If if it would if it were Djokovic it would be four, um, but Nadal needs matches. Nadal mm. needs matches going into big tournaments. He needs momentum. He needs rhythm. 
he needs to play himself in. Um, and I think he gave a a quote, Matt, in Spanish, which certainly doesn't dampen any concerns. Yeah, he said, no estoy fatal. I'm not fatal. I'm, I'm not awful, is the is the translation of that. Uh, but then he said, I'm not, I'm not in the right conditions to take to the court. So, I mean... On the on the naught to ten scale, that is definitely pushing towards ten, isn't it? With just a with just mm. a grand slam a couple of days away, there's probably there's probably two two levels. Is he in danger of withdrawing from the event altogether, or is he in danger of just being totally undercooked for the event and not able to properly be himself? Um, I'm certainly worried about number two, and as the days tick by, I'm I don't know. I'm getting concerned about about the former as well he's not he's not said that he's not he's not said that a withdrawal from the Australian Open is a possibility um so I'm I'm assuming he will play but absolutely Nadal needs matches maybe he just loves coaching Roberto Bautista good (laughs) well we definitely loves doing that (laughs) just doesn't want to give it up (laughs) um but yeah what, what would you have said David on the scale yeah I'd probably go seven or eight um mm. I, I I'm concerned about now because I him, I thought he might want to be sparing with how much he plays, but to if he if he literally doesn't play a match before the Australian Open, there's a problem. There's a big problem mm. um, because he, he he just wouldn't do that, and you're hoping therefore that whatever it, sort of injury it is that it just frees up and there's some relief oh, and there's because there's every other day matches the best of five you know he may be able to just play his way in and get used to it but yeah it's a real concern from him, for him that's how i'm going to uh respond when people ask me how are you i'm not, not awful but <laughs> not fatal not fate noise de fatal no no so say it again no no Estoy. Estoy. Ah, no estoy fatal. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. Great. That will be very useful for however long this pandemic lasts for, hopefully. Uh, So Germany uh, beats Serbia to book their place in the semi-final. You saw a few snapshots of that, David, in particular the deciding doubles rubber. Yeah. Very entertaining deciding doubles in which Novak Djokovic was trying to beat Germany on his own. Uh, no offence to his partner, but I mean, who what, looks who, like a perfectly... What, what's his name? Reasonable... Do- I don't know. Uh, perfectly reasonable <laughs> do- doubles player. What's his name, Matt? Ch- uh, I, I oh. believe it's Nikola Kacic. Oh, yes. Kacic, that's, that's the, the one. Look, I mean, you think he's top 50 in the world, doubles. Uh, so he's, you know, he's a decent player, but what happens when you get an t- absolutely top draw singles player a lot of the time and particularly I mean Djokovic is the world number one he just knows that he's capable of doing it all normally so he kind of tries to do it in doubles as well and uh, and he very nearly did but eventually Zverev and Struff better team I felt and played pretty well um, Zverev serving reasonably there are, are st- I mean in his singles he's basically seeing it serving two aces for every double fault at the moment um, and he's had a couple of, you know, he pushed Djokovic today um, to a third set, won the first. But yeah, I would say, I would say Djokovic looks good generally. Um, and but and it was a fun doubles. They really have nailed the presentation with this sound and and 
the teams and all the stuff you hear it's it's a very visceral tennis experience for television they they're they're the ones who've done that side of things the best that i've heard yeah it's one of my favorite genres of tennis match i think a a doubles involving an absolute top top singles player you know a real great and their partner being someone lower ranked because i just think it creates a fascinating dynamic both ways the lower ranked player is really under pressure and you feel the stress on their face to try and live up to their partner's greatness and in Novak Djokovic's case you see him sort of trying to coach the player through it or take all the shots themselves and not get annoyed perhaps when when the partner can't rally with Alexander Zverev from the back of the court Um, and on top of all that you had this extra layer of intrigue for Djokovic which is Yes, he cares about the ATP Cup. He wants to win it. He loves playing for Serbia. But essentially, it is his Australian Open preparation. And it is therefore, because it's a team competition, it's not all in his own hands. He is relying on some teammates to try and make it through that competition and give him the matches he needs and he wants. And I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that Djokovic is not ready for the Australian Open because Serbia are now out of the ATP Cup. As David says, he, he looks to be playing really well. He's won both his singles matches. He's he's in he's in good shape. But part of me does wonder whether he really wanted to play some more matches this weekend, especially singles. He would have played um, Medvedev. He he might have played Nadal if if Nadal was fit and played the final. The Bautista Agu perhaps. And I don't know. It's it's all tied up with his preparation for the Australian Open. And there was some real stress, I think, when he when they didn't win that that doubles he he really wanted to make the weekend yeah that's interesting isn't it which suggests that given that the Australian Open is his main priority rather than winning the ATP Cup in in all honesty that suggests that he would have liked at least one more singles match Mm. the fact that he he was seemingly pretty desperate to to win that doubles to the extent that poor Nikola Kacic Nikola Kacic uh, Mm. (laughs) uh, perhaps felt the pressure a little bit a little bit more than he'd have liked, bless mm-hmm. him. Uh, but that's the ATP Cup semi-final lineup. Those matches to be played uh, starting late tonight, UK time, going into the morning. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. This morning at 5am UK time, when Mac was wide awake trying to get round some inconvenient geo-blocking, The Australian Open draw took place and it is fascinating, particularly the women's draw. I think given everything we've discussed about the women's tournament at the moment, the continuing narrative of Serena Williams, the sheer volume of other genuine competitors, the number of sort of pairings that are on the cusp of developing great rivalries, the sort of comeback stories of... Andreescu and and Muguruza to an extent as well. It is it's so tasty and there is there is a bit of disparity in the draw in in the top half. You've got Ash Barty who's the top seed obviously, and then you've got Kenin the defending champion, and then it's Pliskova, Svitolina, Azarenka, Sakari, and Mertens. So contenders in there, but certainly kinder I would say than this set, which is in the bottom half. You've got Bianca Andreescu, Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams, Garbina Muguruza, Simona Halep, Irina Sabalenka and Iga Svantec. Which half would you rather be in? Uh, I'd rather be in the top half, although I still don't think I'd give myself too much chance <laughs> of winning it. <laughs> um, it's amazing. The, the, the amount, the number of players that you go oh yeah she's oh, she mm. could win it or you know it's just the bottom half of that draw in particular is just absurd but the, but it's it they're not just good players they're stories each one of them are stories each one of them are potentially major winners a number of times over this year uh or have been several times or in the case of serena williams 20 20 how many she won 23 times in the past um so I think the women's draw, as I kind of thought it would be, just because of how many people on paper look exciting, is is way more interesting than the men's draw. There are some matchups that I'm looking forward to in the men's draw, but the women's is just a who's who. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, even the first round, Catherine, there's some there's some corkers. Yeah, there are in the in the top half. Putin Saver against Sloane Stevens, Azarenka against Jessica Pagula, Karolina Mukova against Elena Ostapenko, Coco Goff uh, rematch her against Jill Teichman, who she beat this week in a tournament brackets unspecified uh maria sakari against kiki mladenovic mladenovic who sort of just always seemed to be seems to be picked out in an interesting first round clash because she's invariably these days unseeded and yet she still sort of occupies this place in our minds where we think she ought to be seeded so we usually think that she is a sort of dangerous person to draw in an opening round we've got the projected route for Ash Barty through to the final and fairly straightforward-ish Alexandra possibly in in round three uh through to through to the quarterfinals where it's a sort of maybe Bencic maybe Mertens maybe Pliskova lurking but then semi-final you could have a Kenin a Brady a Sakari and Azarenka or a Svitolina the final though the final, her possible final opponents. Have there ever been so many slashes? You've got Osaka, Serena, Muguruza, Andreescu, Halep, Sviantec. I mean, it's mm. just just mouthwatering. Dare anybody pick a winner for the tournament from the bottom half? No, certainly not right now. That's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, well... I mean, the name still that jumps out for me is Osaka because she's... And yet her first round's horrendous. It, it really is. She's got Pavlyuchenko in the first round. Then, uh, I mean, the whole draw she, is... She could have Caroline Garcia in the yeah. second round. I mean, she needs to get herself seeded at Slam's pronto. It's <laughs> ludic- ludicrous that she's not. There's some amazing unseeded players at this tournament. She, Slam she, Stevens is unseeded. She could have Ons Jabeur round three, Osaka... And then Muguri throw Kerber. I mean, it is, it's hideous. It's yeah. a hideous draw. But Osaka came into her press conference today knowing the Australian Open draw. She, she had seen mm. all, these, all these projected paths. And she said, first of all, projected paths never pan out as, oh. as they are. Glad you both woke up so. early to, to <laughs> yeah. crack on with those then. And I like a tough draw. So if mm. it does pan out, I'm fine. Like, and that is true. I really believe that she plays her best tennis against top players. She always does. She she's somebody with an inbuilt sense of occasion and sense of sense of the moment, and sense yeah. of and ability to rise to both. Yeah, and when she's gone Good deep, job. when she's gone deep in big tournaments, she's won them. Basically, mm. her, her record the, at the deep end of, of slams and big tournaments is. Is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I love the way this draw has panned out because it it leaves both halves really open because you've got a lot of players on the cusp of something in that top half or with perhaps little doubts over their Grand Slam performances. And then, as we've said, the bottom half is just chock full of people who've been there and done it. I mean, Venus Williams is in that bottom half. There's, there's another seven Grand Slam titles <laughs> in that bottom half who, we, who we've not even mentioned. I mean, she's, you know, she's probably not a title contender anymore, but, you know, she's in there. She, she's yet another legend, another name. It's, uh, it's a fantastic draw. Mm. Uh, notable first round clashes from that bottom half. We're not sure which half will play on which day yet, but Sue Wei Shea against Svetana Peronkova with the winner 
very likely to play Andreescu. I mean, crikey. Oh, um, stylish and, matches, huh? And I was interested to read Andreescu say that it had pretty much always been her intention to pull out of the tournament before the Australian Open. Whatever that tournament ended up being. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> she basically said she's thought a lot about her scheduling and she thinks she's made some mistakes in the past that have resulted in some of these injuries that she's picked up. She's only played about three <laughs> yeah. tournaments in her life. <laughs> yeah, and she's been injured in all of them. So it's her, it's her plan now just, just to play the slams. <laughs> what a rock star. <laughs> Just win the Grand Slam every year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I mean, good luck to her. Um, Marta Kostyuk. I thought you were going to say she, she said, uh, it's a good draw because I'm in the draw. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out not. Marta Kostyuk against Victoria Kudamatova. They played a great match in Abu Dhabi. Um, so that's tasty for first round. Katie Bolter. Um, who seems to be in great form. She's playing Daria Kazakina in the first round with the winner, very possibly to play Sabalenka. Um, very difficult to know whether Sabalenka is a good draw or a bad draw, isn't it? But we won't we won't get bogged down in the Sabalenka weeds just now uh, because the <laughs> men's draw, of course, has also been done. Uh, top half Djokovic, of course, is the number one seed. He is in that half with Alexander Zverev, Dominic Team, and Diego Schwartzman, the other big seeds in his half. Also there are Stan Wawrinka, Milos Raonic. They would be potential fourth-round opponents. Dominic Team would be a semi-final opponent and, of course, projected Rafael Nadal in the final. But we'll we'll talk more about that in a moment. What do we think of Djokovic's draw and that half in general? Well, what about Riley Opelka, his potential <laughs> third-round opponent, seven foot tall? Yeah, we did this earlier and I, I whizzed through Djokovic's draw and I said, I don't think it's that good a draw. You know, Wawrinka, sorry, is a, a nightmare opponent for him. He wouldn't have wanted to be in the same half as Dominic Team. And, and David said, yeah, and a Pelka. Yeah, and I'm saying he's, it again. He's got a great serve. And I sort yeah, of said, massive. yeah, but he's got the best return in the world. And I accused you of, of tall man bias. And <laughs> we're back where we were, David. Yeah, I'm quite happy to go with that. It's fine. Me and Riley. Uh, yeah, but given the way Djokovic deals with Raonic, um, mm. yeah, I can I can see the problems. But I'd I'd quite like to see that match. Uh, Taylor Fritz though may take out Apelka. I mean, I imagine so, David Five Live will assign you to it, so you're in well, luck. Without question. And and if and if Apelka somehow does upset Novak Djokovic she could play Raonic in the next round which you're oh, definitely on that's got your name written all over it David <laughs> yeah but I don't want to watch that <laughs> imagine imagine David Riley Apelka against Borna Choric do I have to okay good draw or bad draw long story short quoting Taylor Swift again good draw or bad draw See, I don't Djokovic. think it's the greatest draw in the world. I think it's quite a tough draw for Novak Djokovic. And it's it's quite funny how you, the, the, ver the respective fan bases of these players will jump up usually and say, oh, it's not fair, my man's got a terrible draw. I would say that Djokovic has got a pretty tough one there, relatively speaking. What do you think, Matt? 
I think it's a pretty <laughs> good draw. I think it's a pretty good draw. I think all the top players in the men's have actually got fairly good draws. I don't look at anyone's draw and think that's a nightmare. And that's that's maybe my big takeaway from this men's draw is it feels quite balanced because we're back to not having a big four, but we're back to having four who stand out above the rest, I think. Obviously, there are concerns about Nadal, but... Those being Team and Medvedev, the the extras? Yeah, joining Nadal and Djokovic. And, you know, for years we had men's draws where you looked at four names and sort of penciled them in. And, you know, invariably one of them would go out or a couple of them would go out. But basically as, as a pack of four, they were pretty reliable. We're not in that territory yet, but I look at Medvedev and I look at Team and I... I certainly think if they play well, they will match their seeding and possibly have a have a chance to upset Djokovic and Nadal. So to me, it feels quite balanced um, mm. in a way that it didn't when Murray dropped out of the big four because he was injured and Federer has been missing for the last few slams, you know. So I think it, it feels quite familiar in that sense uh, mm. to what we had for many years. Yeah, Medvedev is in that bottom half uh, with Rafael Nadal. Now we've got here Nadal's projected route through to the final, but maybe maybe we should look at that through a completely different lens. Is Medvedev, look, I know he's won zero Grand Slams and Nadal has won 20, but is Medvedev at this stage a safer bet in that section than, than Nadal, who we've put on the alarmometer at an eight out of 10? Um, or certainly, should we look at, be, should we be looking at as okay? The top seeds in that bottom half are Nadal, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Daniil Medvedev, Andrei Rublev. Is is this you know a slam for the breakthrough of Stefanos Tsitsipas into a Grand Slam final? Possibly even Andrei Rublev. You know, should should we look less at, at it from a this is Nadal's potential route, or is that premature? Well, I am slightly regretting not doing my Medvedev possible route to the final now, yes, um, <laughs> because I only did Nadal from that half the draw. Um, and I have to say that, yeah, I think I'd, I'd put it at less than 50-50 now, really, for Nadal uh, versus Medvedev. I'd say Medvedev's more likely to get to the final than Nadal, yeah, given where we are right now with the knowledge we have right now. Mm. What yeah. do you think? yeah. I'd agree he's on a 12-match winning streak, Medvedev. He's beating everyone, and Nadal's not even playing. So, <laughs> you know, as David says, that knowledge we have now puts puts Medvedev right there alongside Nadal, if not slightly ahead of him. But if if Nadal's okay and he can build some momentum, of course, he's he, he, he's still a force. First round matches to pick out on the men's side. Corentin Mute against John Millman, friend of the show. Hello, John. Sensation. Uh, the sensation that is John Millman. Grigor Dimitrov against Marin Cilic, which feels like a sort of yesteryear battle. Queen's match from yes. 2012 to 2017. Yeah. 2014 oh. relived. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of which, Kane Shikori against Pablo Carreño Busta. <laughs> Um, that's a match I've definitely seen before at the Australian Open. Will we see a racket bag hurled <laughs> lengthways over the court um, in anger by 
Pablo Carina Buster. Was that the US Open, Matt? No, it was, it was no. the Australian Open. Yeah. Australian Australian Open. Speaking, mm. speaking of out of character, it's one of the mm. most extraordinary Unexpected things. high drama in a Kena Shikori Pablo Carina Buster match. Uh, and I sort of hinted at this earlier Denis Shapovalov against Yannick Sinner. That is mouth watering. I think Sinner's winning that. See, I, I'm a, the way you've just now dumped. Denis Shapovalov and picked up your new man, Yannick Sinner, I find a little bit dis- disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I undeniably have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, don't I can know. be, I think, I can you know, be re-persuaded. I just need to see something different from Shapovalov. Right, so you, who's going for Sinner? Who's going for Shapovalov? Sinner? Sinner for me. D- uh, Matt? Well, on the podcast earlier today, Catherine said we didn't have to make predictions until Sunday because the weekend's results could influence things. And if, I meant big predictions. Yeah, but Sinner is involved this weekend. If Sinner has some sort of epic against Karen Hatchinov and is is a shell of a man, then well, yes, of course. Then I'm, I'm picking Shapovalov. Well, so my okay, but right here, right now, Matt, come on, Sinner. you know the drill. Sinner, Sinner, Dennis the Menace for me. Does anyone call him that? <laughs> Greg Rosetsky does. Did he? Does he? <laughs> of course, of course he, does. he does. Oh, you <laughs> and Greg, David. It's Greg, me, and Alan Partridge. That's it. <laughs> uh, Medvedev against Pospisil is a first round. Uh, Stefanos Sitsipas against Gilles Simon. I don't think Steph's going to have fun playing that match. I think he'll probably win, but I think he'll, he'll yeah. I think it'll be gifable. I mean, if <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. If Simon could get into that mm. and be irritate him, be sufficiently prepared and physically prepared enough to just irritate Sitsipas into oblivion, mm. I think that that is quite possibly what he could do. I think Sitsipas could blow a gasket, mm-hmm. um, but I also think Sitsipas is a good enough player to find a way if he can keep just keep stable in his own mind Mm. Kevin Anderson against the very much informed Matteo Berrettini Alex de Menor against Tennis Sangren and an all-Brit clash between Dan Evans and Cam Norrie so that's your teaser taster of the Australian Open draw we'll be talking we'll be talking more about it we'll be talking about our predictions we'll be talking about what all the players have had to say in their pre-tournament press conferences when we record again uh, with our official preview show on Sunday there may or may not be a little bit of bonus Simon Briggs in that Um, we're trying to pin him down he's he's a busy man is Simon yeah Mm, but uh, yeah edge of your seat for for bonus briggs on sunday that's when our next podcast will come to you and then of course from that point on we are daily throughout the australian open thanks to all of you that backed us on our kickstarter campaign just a couple of last bits of business for this pod um tennis lost a great champion uh, yesterday tony trabert um, he died at the age of 90 at his home in pontevedra florida reported um 
the tennis journalist and broadcaster Richard Evans. He said Trobert was huge for the game because he did so much for it. Champion, Davis Cup captain, director of the Kramer Pro Tour in Paris, CBS TV analyst and mentor to many, RIP Wimbledon champ. Um, and Billie Jean King uh, paid tribute to him as well. She said, on the passing of the great American tennis player, Tony Trobert, I am deeply saddened to learn of the passing of one of my heroes. He was the first athlete I asked for an autograph and I remembered the moment at the Los Angeles Tennis Club where he took the time to speak with, the, with me. Over the years, our relationship grew deeper and he was a wonderful mentor in tennis, in broadcasting and in life. We even won a doubles title together in 1975 in Scottsdale, defeating Margaret Corton's Frank Sedgman, 6-4-6-2. This earned Tony $10,000, the biggest tennis paycheck of his storied career. He was a legend and a friend. Um, so a lovely tribute there from Billie Jean King. I wouldn't have known who who Tony Trobert was had it not been for, for Tennis Relived because I remember when we were reliving the French uh, French Open men's final of 1984, Tony Trobert was there in the crowd because John McEnroe, who of course lost that match in five sets to Ivan Lendl, was aiming to become the first man since Tony Trobert to win the French Open title. Um so he was there that day and he was picked out by the camera a lot and he was referenced by Bud Collins, who was in the commentary booth. And I know Mary worked alongside Tony Trobert in the commentary booth as well and had only warm words to, to say about him. So um, he lived to a good old age, but it's uh, still a sad loss to the tennis world. Um, and on a on a more upbeat but Similar note in terms of loss to the tennis world, Tom Tebbett, uh, the esteemed Canadian tennis journalist, is retiring. Um, he's worked for the Globe and Mail, for, for Tennis Canada. He's been a mainstay of, of press rooms um, since I've worked in the sport and long before that as well. Um, and he's just one of these part of the furniture, isn't he, David? And uh, yeah. he's not going to be there anymore. It'll be strange. I mean, I hope he isn't a stranger completely. I hope he comes back just socially and, and watches the sport. He loves the sport. He loves tennis. And uh, I mean, he's been covering it for more than 40 years. And he was really welcoming to me when I walked in, you know, pretty green and, and not knowing anybody. And he was always good company. Uh, and not afraid to ask difficult questions as well. I mean, I it's not an easy job sometimes that and he, he did it with great aplomb and yet never lost his love for the sport and his respect for it as well. Um, and yeah, really did cover it superbly well. And my tribute to Tom Tebbett, um, I'll repeat this from version one, is that I, I could scarcely believe that he was old enough to retire. My yeah. initial reaction upon hearing the news was he's not old enough to be retiring. No. Mm. And, um, so enjoy yeah. your retirement, Tom, with your full head of hair. <laughs> Still got less grey hair than me. <laughs> uh, so that's it for today. Our mascot for the week is Chester, the lovely Battersea rescue cat. Uh, David's mascot is Rogue. Matt's is Scouser well, Mousel. Mine is Zeus. Billy Jeans, who is asleep at my feet, having uh, contended with a robot vacuum cleaner for most of the afternoon. Her sponsor is Billy Jean King. I'll just say that casually, like it's a normal thing. Uh, Chris Albert <laughs> Lee is our executive producer. And we have shout outs that we've got to try and make sound spontaneous. Off you go, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, for Jessica Schaefer. Ooh, 
Do you know? Oh, Jessica. Do you know what Jessica Schaefer sounds like? No, go on. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> this was genuinely spontaneous earlier. It's all ruined. Um, she sounds like she might be in-house counsel at a Fortune 500 company, <laughs> wearing pencil skirts and a silk blouse. <laughs> yeah. And it was a hoot the first time, and it still is. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jessica. Yes, thank you, Jessica. And thank you to Fiona Hanstock as well. Hello, Fiona. I'm going to spare you what I said in version one because it was rubbish. So I'm just going to say hello. (laughs) How do we spell that surname, by the way? H-A-N-S-T-O-C-K. Exactly as it sounds, David. Yeah. All right. Well, just checking, making sure I get it right. Fiona, you're a legend. Thanks. And finally, Lisa Tomlinson. Oh, thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. That's (laughs) T-O-M-L-I-N-S-O-N. Now that's cleared up, we are going to go and desperately hope that this thing is recorded. If you're listening to us, then obviously it has, and we hope you've enjoyed. We'll be back on Sunday with another Australian Open preview. We'll speak to you then. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.